to Jude. <clears throat> and I can't tell you what chapter because there's only one chapter. Jude, and I want to look at verse 20 and 21. Jude 20 and 21. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of God. Uh, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. I read the same sentence over twice. You ever do that? <laughs> Sorry about that. Sometimes you read, read right over the same verse or right over the same sentence. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. What we have here in verses... 12 through 16, Jude gives us the characteristics of uh, evil men. And then in verses 17 through 19, he gives the characteristics of error. And then we come to our text, which presents the characteristics of good men, or goodness. And that's what I want to talk to you about tonight. I want to look at these characteristics of good men. You see, the good man will build himself up. And uh, we, we want to look at all these characteristics here, and we want to glean the most from them. So could we pray? Hallelujah. Father, your word is life. And Lord, you said that the Holy Spirit, when he has come, would lead us into all truth. And Lord, you said that we would know the truth and the truth would set us free. Lord, I believe that you have a special message here tonight for us. This is a message for me. It's for each of us. And Lord, we want ears to hear, heart to receive. Help us to be attentive and realize this is the word of God. And Lord, we ask for that anointing to deliver this word. We ask that that anointing be upon each one as they listen. In Jesus' name, amen. The good man builds his life on the foundation here, and it says, upon your most holy faith. The Christian builds not on something uh, that he has manufactured, not something that he has dreamed up, but he builds on something that he himself has received. And there's a chain in the transmission of faith, or the faith, the holy faith. 
The faith came first of all from Jesus Christ and was delivered to the apostles. And then the apostles delivered this faith to the church. And then finally, this faith has been passed along to you and I. The faith which holds not merely to someone's personal opinions, but this is a revelation. This is a revelation that comes directly from the Lord Jesus Christ. And this faith has been preserved and transmitted under the guidance and the care of the Holy Spirit. And this faith is a most holy faith. Now the root meaning for the word holy is different. The priesthood was considered holy because it was different from all other worshipers. These men were different. The temple was considered holy because it was different from all other buildings. The Sabbath day was considered the holy Sabbath and it was considered different because it was different from any other day. And our faith is different in two ways. It's different from the faith, from other faiths, faiths, and it's different from philosophies, and that it is not man-made. This is not a man-made faith. This is a God-given faith. It's not an opinion, but a revelation. It's not a guess, but a certainty. And it's different in that it has the power to make those who believe it different. If you will believe this faith that has been passed down from Jesus Christ, it will change your life. This is, our faith is one of a kind. Look at verse 3. Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning the common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you exhorting you to contend earnestly for what? The faith which was once delivered to the saints. This life-giving revelation that has been given to us from Jesus Christ, it has once been delivered to the saints and we're to contend for it. You know, do you ever go to, a, a, you, you call a boxer a contender for the title. He's fighting for that title. We're to, we're to, to put some, we're to fight 
for this faith that we believe in. We're to build ourselves up on this most holy faith. And the good man is a man of prayer. But you, beloved, building yourselves upon your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Praying in the Holy Spirit. It's been put this way. Real religion means dependence. The essence of our religion is an admission that we're totally dependent on the Lord Jesus Christ. I admit, I need Jesus. Without Jesus, I am not going to make it. With Jesus, I can do all things. Without Jesus, I'm lost. I am dependent on the Lord Jesus Christ. And when I pray, this is an acknowledgement of that dependence on God for all that I need, for all that... I can't get along without it. I need to go to God with my requests. Make your request known unto God. Amen? And prayer is going to God for help. It's going to God for what you need. Moffat said, prayer is love in need appealing to love in power. Let me say that again. Prayer is love in need appealing to love in power. So when I pray, I'm praying because I need. And I know that God loves me and he has the power to meet that need. The Christian must be a man of prayer for at least two reasons. He knows that he must test everything by the will of God. If it's not the will of God, then it's sin, isn't it? If I do something and it's not the will of God, isn't that sin? So everything that I do, I must bring before God and I must look for His approval whether I'm in His will or out of His will. And prayer is how I do that. Secondly, prayer, we pray because in ourselves we can do nothing. With God, all things are possible. And so, I not only come bringing everything before God for His approval as to which is in His will and which is not in His will, but I come to God in prayer looking for Him to give me the power to do that which is right. 
to do whatever needs to be done. Prayer is essential. And it says here, pray in the Holy Spirit. Prayer must be in the Holy Spirit. That is, if we're going to pray according to God's will, and not, not doesn't necessarily mean that you have to pray in tongues, but when you're praying in tongues, uh, that that. in your prayer. Isn't that right? If you look at Romans chapter 8 and verse 20, 26, it says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weakness, for we do not know what we should, should pray for as we ought. How many of you have problems along that line? I mean, after you said uh, thank you so many times and uh, you've prayed bless this one and bless that one and so forth, uh, sometimes you kind of come to the end of yourself and you say, well, now what? It says pray without ceasing. And I've taken up 10 minutes of your time, Lord. <laughs> But it, we don't know how to pray as we should. But the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. In other words, you can't speak them out. We're praying in the Spirit. You remember Hannah? Uh, uh, Samuel's mother, she was praying and nothing was coming out. And Sam, uh, the Eli thought she was drunk. She was praying in the Spirit. I mean, she was praying with her whole being. She was putting her heart into her prayer. She was putting her soul into her prayer. And these are the kind of prayers that get answered. And if we're going to pray in the Spirit, it's going to, it's going to take some doing. You can't just come in off the street and drop to your knees and immediately begin to pray in the Spirit if you haven't been walking in the Spirit and living in the Spirit. Secondly, there's another reason for praying in the Spirit, and that's found over in Romans 14. Romans 14 and verse 4. Uh, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 4. I'll get right here in a minute. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. 
And some people say, well, that's awful selfish. All you're worried about is building yourself up. But I want to tell you something. You cannot do God's work. You can't touch others until you've been touched by the love of God first. It's necessary to build yourself up in the Spirit if you're going to walk in the Spirit, if you're going to live in the Spirit, if you're going to uh, minister in the Spirit, then you've got to spend time in prayer edifying yourself. And that's exactly what he's saying over here in Jude. He's saying that we are to build ourselves up on our most holy faith Praying in the Holy Spirit. Now we can't, uh, like I said, we can't minister, we can't touch others with the love of God until we have the love of God. God is love, right? And Romans 5, 5 tells us that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. How? By the Holy Ghost. And so as we pray in the Spirit, the love of God is being shed abroad in our heart. And we become so full of love, so full of God, so full of the Spirit, that we want to minister to others. Thirdly, the good man keeps himself in the love of God. Uh, he doesn't uh, leave this for someone else. It's, it's up to us to keep ourselves in the love of God. We, you know, when, when things go wrong, we can blame it on the preacher. We can blame it on our Sunday school teacher. We can blame it on our mom. We can blame it on our dad. Uh, we can blame it on our friends. But the fact of the matter is, you're to keep yourself in the love of God. It says here, but you, beloved, building yourselves upon your most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Spirit. What Jude is thinking about here is an Old Testament covenant relationship described in Exodus chapter 24. Exodus chapter 24. Now he said to Moses, come up to the Lord and Aaron and Nadab and Nabihu and 70 of the elders of Israel and worship from, the, uh, from afar. And Moses alone shall come near, to the, uh, near the Lord, but they shall not come near, nor shall the people go up with him. So Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the judgments and all the people answered with one voice and said, all the words which the Lord has said we will do. And Moses wrote all the words of the Lord, and he rose early in the morning and built an altar 
at the foot of the mountain and 12 pillars according to the 12 tribes of Israel. Then he sent young men of the children of Israel who offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen to the Lord. And Moses took half of the blood and put it on in a basin and half of the blood he sprinkled on the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant and read in, in the hearing of the people and they said, all that the Lord has said, we will do and be obedient. Moffat comments on this particular verse and he says, God's love has its own terms of communion. It's true that in a sense that we can never drift beyond God's love uh, we can never get out of the place where God will not care for us. But you know, God loves us enough that if we choose to go to hell, he'll let us. That's how much he loves you. He has allowed you to have your own desire. He'll give you the desire of your heart. You want to go to hell, you can go. And there's a lot of people that say hell isn't real. But I want you to know Jesus in this book says it's real. There is a real place of torment. There is a place of hellfire where the fire never goes out. And God loved us enough that He has provided for us. He said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy household. He who believeth and is baptized shall be saved. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. But if we choose to ignore the word of God and the Holy Spirit and we choose to go to hell, then God is not to blame. God is not to blame. And it's also true that to have a closer communion with God, there must be love and obedience. Now, I know we can't keep the, we're not to try to keep the letter of the law. Uh, in fact, most of, all of us would fail if we tried to keep the letter of the law. But we're to keep the spirit of the law. And that's done through the power of the Holy Ghost. That's done through living in the Lord Jesus Christ and allowing the Lord Jesus Christ to live in you. You can be overcomers. You can 
live a life that's pleasing to God through the Spirit. And so there needs to be love and obedience for God. And then, last of all here in our text, he says, But you, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keeping yourselves, keeping yourselves in the love of God, that's what we just got done talking about. Looking for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. The good man waits with expectation. This is not my home. If this world is all there is, we're in trouble. If this world is all there is, then we might just as well eat, drink, and be merry. But I want to tell you, this is not all there is. There is a hereafter. You are going to spend eternity somewhere. You're either going to spend eternity in eternal torment... Or you're going to spend eternity in eternal bliss. You're either going to spend it under the wrath of God. Or you're going to spend it in the love of God. Jesus is coming. I'm as sure of that as I am that I'm standing here in this pulpit right now. He said that he was going to come for his church without spot and without wrinkle. When we take communion, we're proclaiming the Lord's death till he comes. Jesus Christ is coming again. And I believe that we're getting very close to the second coming of Jesus Christ. And as believers, we are not only build ourselves up in our most holy faith, we not only pray and we not only uh keep ourselves in the love of God, but we're looking for the mercy of God. We're looking for the love of God. We're looking for the power of God. Jesus is coming for his bride. He's coming for you and for me. The question is, are we ready? I want you to bow your heads with me for a moment. Very important. Everyone here, would you bow your heads?
And it says here that we're to build ourselves up in the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. I want you praying in the Spirit. Just praying in the Spirit. Building yourself up in your most holy faith. And by chance there's someone here tonight that has never given their heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. And as a minister of God, I have to tell you, time is running out. Today is the day of salvation. You've tried everything else. Wouldn't you just like to have Jesus come into your life, into your heart, give you that assurance that you have eternal life? While everyone's praying, if, if that's you that I'm talking to, would you just put your hand up and then put it right back down? Let me see the hand so that I might pray for you. Is there someone here tonight that'd like to give their life to Jesus? We can make all kinds of excuses. Well, when I get my life straight, then I'll, then I'll give my life to Jesus. That isn't the way it happens. We give our life to Jesus, and then he takes care of the rest. Is there anyone? 